If we think about it, the church is a sort of human lost and found. The beloved hymn, Amazing Grace, has the well-known lines, I once was lost, but now am found. These words probably have their roots in today's gospel lesson. It's a teaching lesson, and one in which Jesus tells two stories. They're in response to a challenge from the religious authorities who were grumbling over the people with whom Jesus associated. To break bread with disreputable people was to welcome and embrace them. This fellow welcomed sinners and eats with them, they complained. To share a table with undesirables was not appropriate behavior for a holy man. So, they surmised, there must be something suspect about Jesus. Maybe he was associating with his own element. Now, it's somewhat easy to condemn the Pharisees from today's vantage point. But Jesus was setting precedents that were worrisome to those who felt responsible for the religious life and culture. A good analogy is to think of a parent worried about the unsavory characters that her teenager is suddenly befriending. In response, Jesus told them two stories. He actually told them three, but today's gospel lesson only includes the first two. Instead of talking about the questionable dinner companions, Jesus talks about creatures and things that are lost. His first example is a lost sheep. Now that's an image his contemporaries would have understood. A lamb was very valuable and not something easily dismissed. While most of us who live in urban California rarely see sheep, much less a shepherd, and while few of us would be flattered if likened to a sheep, this image from an earlier agrarian culture still makes theological sense. We love the idea of the good shepherd. Why do you suppose such an image still has power to console us in the 21st century? I think the answer has to do with the fact that all of us are creatures who at times need care. We want someone to soothe our fears, give us warmth, security, and affection. In church, we tend to focus a great deal on our spiritual dimension, but at such times, we're decidedly more spiritual than Jesus. He lived in his body, healed other bodies, was concerned about feeding people. He knew that was often where faith began. He liked sharing his table with all sorts of people, and he fed them not only with loaves and fishes, but also with his body and blood. The shepherd is one who cares for the whole being of the sheep. The 23rd Psalm, which begins, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is still the most beloved of psalms, and the one most read at bedsides of the sick and to the bereaved at funerals. It speaks of God's love for us in our entirety. In her book, Prayer, Stress, and Our Inner Wounds, Flora Wellner gives a particularly compelling picture of a shepherd which she remembered from a book in her childhood. 
It was not the robed and peaceful person holding a lamb with a flock at his feet that we often see depicted in stained glass windows. Rather, it was a tattered and bleeding person who had crawled down a steep cliff edge to rescue a lamb that was fallen. The lamb was injured and a bird of prey circled overhead. Wolner writes, I could not see the shepherd's face as he strained down to reach the sheep, but I could see the knotted muscles, the bleeding hands and arms gashed by thorns, the twisted garment torn in the steep descent. She could see that the determined shepherd was paying a painful price to rescue the lamb. Jesus instructs his critics by explaining that the sinners are in reality lost. And most of us can identify with being lost. And Jesus goes on to say that there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. In the Christian story, God descends to reascend, wrote C.S. Lewis. He comes down, down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into humanity, down further still, if embryologists are right, to recapitulate in the womb ancient and pre-human phases of life, down to the very roots and seabed of the nature he had created. But he goes down to come up again, and bring the whole ruined world with him. The story of being lost is repeated again and again in the history of salvation, both corporate and individually. We see it in our lesson from Exodus. The people go back to creating idols and worship a golden calf. They are easily misled and need to be brought back into the fold. God was initially angry, but repented of the disaster that was planned. The psalm appointed for this Sunday is the one we hear each Ash Wednesday, and it reminds us of our own status as sinners and the need to continue to examine our lives because it is very easy to stray. Of the seven penitential psalms, it's the one characterized by the greatest depth of feeling. And our lesson from 1 Timothy reassures us that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We often need to be reminded that the divine economy is different from our own. It was said that St. Lawrence, who ministered to the poor, the sick, and the widows and orphans of Rome, was imprisoned because the Roman authorities thought the early church had vast treasure that the Roman government wanted. Lawrence was asked to show the Roman leaders the treasures of the church. And so he took them to a group of poor, sick, and destitute people and announced, these are the treasures of the church. Needless to say, the Romans were furious, and they roasted St. Lawrence on a gridiron for what they perceived as impertinence. Let's return to our gospel lesson. Just in case his hearers and we still don't understand his message, Jesus tells another story, 
the story of something else precious that is lost. Have you ever lost something that meant a lot to you? I suspect most of us have. I did one summer some years back. I went to the Midwest to help a friend after she had cancer surgery. And the last morning I was there, I cleaned up the house since we were driving to Omaha, where she would be staying overnight for more tests and I would catch a plane for home. It had been hot and humid, and I couldn't get my wedding ring on my finger that morning, so I slipped it on my little finger where it fit but was very loose. As I swept and carried out the garbage, I forgot the ring on my little finger, and we were 50 miles from our house when I noticed my ring was gone. We called a friend of my friend who calmly went over and looked around the yard, especially the route to the garbage, but found no ring. Unfortunately, the garbage had already been collected. I searched my luggage, and when my friend returned, she searched her house, but all to no avail. I was pretty sure my wedding ring was in Midwestern landfill. Months went by, and I began to explore ways to have another one made, but I knew it wouldn't be quite the same. Still, I had to be realistic. And then shortly after that, my friend called. She had found my ring in the drawer with plastic bags used for the garbage. I was amazed and delighted and hurried to tell my husband and share the news. The second story Jesus tells is of a woman who loses a coin. Like the good shepherd, she focuses on the one lost thing. She lights a lamp and sweeps the house, searching diligently until she finds it. She's lost something of great value, a means of exchange and a form of power. But most importantly, she's lost part of her treasure. And again, Jesus makes the same point. Just so I tell you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus is showing us an image of God as one who searches. He teaches us with the familiar images of a shepherd and a householder. It's worthy to note that in this lesson, Jesus teaches us with a feminine image of God. Both the good shepherd and the woman seek out the lost because the lost are like the sinners with whom Jesus shares meals. They are the beloved treasures of God. God is searching for them just as God seeks us out when we are lost. And so this morning I ask you, if you are seeking out the lost that are among us, are there any in your life that could be found by you and brought back to the fold? Jesus invited the lost to dine with them. He welcomed them into his company. These two stories invite us to offer the same kind of welcome. And these two stories are more fully elaborated in the third story that Jesus tells in the sequence, the story of the prodigal son, in which the lost returns and repents and is welcomed with great joy and celebration. But today's two stories tell us of God's active seeking and give us images of God's searching for the lost among us. I leave you with the image, the sweet image, 
of that dear and ancient woman who lights her lamp in the darkness and sweeps and searches until she finds the lost portion of her treasure. And once more, there's great joy in recovery, a joy so abundant that she must share it. She is an image of God, and just as the angels rejoice in heaven when one sinner repents, so she calls her friends to join in her happiness, because the lost is found. Amen. Amen.